Welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. This podcast is brought to you by LarryInFishers.com. As your only news source concentrating only on fishers, stay in touch with my website for the latest on what's happening in and around the fishers area. Find my local news website at www.larryinfishers.com. Also, follow my Twitter account for the latest updates at Larry in Fishers. AARP, the American Association of Retired Persons, is a well-known national organization advocating for those of us in or near retirement age. But did you know that AARP has staff and volunteers throughout the state of Indiana? Did you know AARP volunteers are very active in the Fishers community? I spoke with representatives from AARP at the Hamilton East Library in downtown Fishers in the Ignite Space, located in the lower level of the library building. The Ignite Space contains a treasure of material, equipment, and expertise for artists of all kinds. Come to the library anytime it is open, and one of the Ignite librarians would be happy to provide a tour. I recorded the interview with AARP during the afternoon of Monday, September 16th. I'm at the Hamilton East Library here in Fishers, downtown Fishers, and we're in the lower level of the Fishers uh, Library building here in the Ignite Space in the AV studio. And I'm happy to have with me two guests from AARP. One is Tish Biggs. She's a volunteer, has been for the past five years for AARP, uh, doing legislative work, involved in the age-friendly program here in the city of Fisher, so we'll have plenty to talk about there. And Mandla Moyo is also here. He's AARP State Director of Community Engagement. That That's a big phrase right there. Uh, one thing we do want to talk about is uh, you leading the charge with other people to get the red line sure. in place, which is now running. And yes. that's got to be a satisfying thing. We'll talk a little more detail about that. Uh, so both of you, thanks for uh, for joining me today. Thanks for yeah, having thanks us. For having us. Uh, Tish, first of all, um, you're, well, you have lots on your resume. But first thing I want to talk about is the fact that you are a graduate of the Fisher City Government Academy. So let me start with what you learned from that experience. Oh, that was a wonderful experience and a great way to learn about the community. We only moved here six years ago from Northeast Ohio, and it was a great way to acclimate and learn about all of the stuff that was going on in the city that uh, um, gave me a good background. So was there any part of it that you felt was uh, uh, taught you the most, or you have a favorite part of that because it's a several-week program? Uh, yeah. Every week you go to a different location and learn something about the city that's unique for that evening. And um, my favorite part, I know you're going to think this is funny, was uh, getting to see the sewage treatment plant. <laughs> you know, here's something. I wanna, can I just insert something here? A good friend of mine who now works for AARP, Dan Domzik, ran that community, uh, that program, that uh, the whole program for the city, the uh, Citizens Academy, and he told me that the most popular stop in that several week program is the sewage treatment plant. Explain to me why that fascinated you so much. Um, 
it, it's it's very apparent that the fire and the police and the courts and the city government are all available uh, uh for you to see. But this is sort of something that's hidden behind the scenes that we all use every day, but we we don't really understand how it functions. So it was good to learn how that worked. That's great. Well, let me go to Mandalay. I want to talk sure. about what uh, I just mentioned a, a moment ago, and that's that's the red line. You've been involved yeah. in a number of community projects as, sure. as community engagement. I'd like for you to walk us through the whole process of how Redline got from an idea to reality. Yeah, sure. Uh, so the the Redline project, and then hopefully, um, not hopefully, but definitely the three other, the two other rapid lines that are coming on board, and then expanded bus service, sort of came out of uh, a vision for. Essentially, started off as a regional transportation sort of. Uh, call it a network, a hub, or whatever you may be, with sort of red line, purple line, and blue line being sort of, if you consider them spines, right, running east-west, north, and south um, for not only just Marion County, but the idea is for sort of the contiguous other counties to join in as well. So Marion County had to do had to take the first step, um, passing a referendum in 2016, um, and then enacting a tax on its own. So. Um, the hope is that communities um, like Fishers um, and Hamilton County, Hendricks County, and Boone and other counties will um, see the benefit of of having a regional trans- transit uh, system, um, whatever whatever shape that that looks like. Right. So um, I think each community um, can take its own bite, an old chunk of what they want to see happen in in their space, um, but hopefully linking to sort of the broader. Um, Indigo, Marion County transit system as well. There was a federally subsidized uh, transit project between downtown Indianapolis and Fishers for many years, but it was subsidized. Once the subsidy ended, there was an effort to try to keep it going by basically paying the full cost, and that just unfortunately never worked out. And there was at one time a proposal for a green line, uh, which is the old nickel plate, which is now going to be... uh, made into a trail instead, right. but that doesn't mean they're, all the transit options are, are off the table no, for this area. No, certainly not. Um, I think Mayor Fadness has expressed um, his support for some form of transit. Um, uh, he's he's obviously uh, more um, sort of on the autonomous vehicle side of things, and, and I think ARP has, is always open to having those conversations. Um, I think for us, the reason we were passionate about transit and the red line and, and sort of expanding transit was more about moving the masses, right? So what are we doing to move large number of large numbers of people, whether it's linking them with you know jobs or linking them to to, to housing, um, or then you know just for folks who you know clearly don't want to drive anymore, right? So. I don't want to travel 69 anymore in and out of Hamilton and Marion County, or I don't want to be on 465, whatever the case may be. If you you know need options to to trans to to travel around you know the central Indiana region, and so I think for organizations like ARP um, and folks like myself and, and Tish and others, it's going to be important to sort of sell the message of what does that transportation look like regionally. Um, yeah. Now, Tish, I know that you have done lobbying, uh, so I assume that you've lobbied on this uh, project as well. We'll talk more about lobbying in general, but was it a hard sell because there had to be legislative approval several steps of the way in, at the state legislature as well as some of the local governments involved 
talk about how you were involved in that and, and how you really maybe need to convince certain lawmakers that this was a good idea. Well, I'm going to defer to Mondal okay. on that because oh, okay. certainly um, we do lobbying at the state level, but this was more of a local p- project, so I think Mondala okay. can address that. Yeah, and then so when the enacting uh, legislation was going through the state house, it was 2014. 13, 2014. So I don't know if Tish was on our ledge team at that Before point. my time. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so okay. she missed that fund when it was going through the state house. But, yeah, I think for for us and, and, and for uh, the folks that serve on our legislative team, um, the pitch was that, you know, all of us are getting older. Um, we want to make sure transit is available uh, for, for everyone. Um, and then transit, uh, transportation, and, and I think we'll talk a little bit about housing and other pieces mm-hmm. as well, um, are important pieces for folks to be able to age in place. And so that I think you'll hear that mantra being um, you know, mentioned by the two of us over and over again. Um, and so we, we felt highly motivated to be a part of the, the transit referendum piece. And I think ultimately for for legislators, the I think the biggest piece was that it put the sort of onus on folks in Marion County, right? So, essentially, if you're a legislator in, you know, in a in a, a more conservative com- community, your vote was made simple because you were simply saying, "Hey, I'm I'm voting to allow the people of Marion County and other counties to make their own decision," and so we lived and died by the referendum. And so, if Marion County voters rejected that, then the people have spoken. And I think, as a democracy, I think we win. Whichever way, yes or no, on and it, that question. it passed by a fairly substantial amount, really. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there was a lot of support for that. Yeah. Let me go to, to Tish if I can, because uh, you are a volunteer lobbyist. Now there are people who get paid a lot of money to do that <laughs> in the private sector, and when you're doing it at non- nonprofit, sometimes even you know hire professional lobbyists, but they also are bolstered by volunteers, and I think. Based on what I know about lawmakers, they do give that some some special consideration, knowing you're volunteering your time and it's not something you're doing uh, for a living. So um, I'd like you to just talk in general about your experiences dealing with people at the state house, other levels of government, with issues that AARP would would be considered uh, important issues. Um, I like to consider our team, a team of unicorns, actually, something that you want to believe really exists, but you're not sure that they really are there. So we are those unpaid lobbyist uh, unicorns. Uh, So uh, it is not just my work, but the work of the entire team um, that works on uh, pending legislation. Um, We get together about every other week. Uh, We discuss the issues that are pending in front of the legislature and decide what our position's going to be on those issues. And then we go across the street to talk with the legislators and let them know from uh, AARP's perspective and from seniors' uh, perspective what sounds like it would be workable, feasible, and something that we would like to support. What, what were some of your major issues in the last legislative session? 
that you worked on and others, as you mentioned, as a team worked on? Um, we're not looking just for issues that affect us personally, but may affect a lot of seniors. So a healthy food initiative and uh, what does it mean to have a food desert? Uh, that was something that we were very interested. We're, in, we're also interested in the ability to do telemedicine for peoples that are residing in their homes and the ability to be able to use the internet to confer with their doctor and or hospitals. Um, we're also interested in improving adult protective services for seniors that, are, that don't have family residing with them. And we're also interested in caregiver legislation, which we did get passed, um, and how that affects people that are still in the workforce that have to provide those caregiving uh, necessities. Let me ask Mandela this, because you've uh, headed up some of the federal legislative efforts here in Indiana. Uh, I'd like to ask you about our local congresswoman, Susan Brooks. She has announced that she is not running for re-election. Mm -hmm. But I would like to you to comment on, on your relationship with uh, Congresswoman Brooks. I know you've discussed with her sure. prescription drug issues, other issues. Tell me about that relationship. Sure, yeah. We, we've, um, we've sort of uh, had a wonderful relationship with her office. Um, I think her district staff uh, do a wonderful job of mm -hmm. always opening the door for us. Uh, Tish and myself um, have have tended to be the team that goes up there and, and sort of speaks to them a couple of times. Um, and so this last time, actually, Tish um, and our other colleague, Dan Sachs, um, visited with her when she had her one-on-one -on -one in Anderson to talk about um, how she can um, help folks with the cost of prescription drugs. Uh, and so I think for us, um, our goal is to see common sense solutions uh, to the R to sort of prescription drug prices, uh, we we are excited to see her sort of go back to Congress and hopefully do something to that effect. Um, I think we have sort of the solutions that we've put forward have included being able uh, for um, closing the um, the prescription drug price the um, catastrophic uh, mm -hmm. fees. And then uh, being able to for Medicare to uh, negotiate drug prices, uh, and so those those are some of the things that we're hoping that she can go back and, and champion in her um, last few months on at, on Capitol Hill. And and I'll say that uh, meeting with her and presenting her. Uh, a box, uh, literally a box full of petitions that had been signed by seniors in Indiana, specifically from her district, uh, that are supportive of uh, prescription uh, drug monitoring and lowering of cost. Uh, she likewise was indicated she is very supportive of that and is going to work very hard to see it, that we get that done because it's it's a bipartisan issue. Uh, we have, uh, at, at the federal level, we have support on both sides. Yeah, I've, I've heard the president talk about it. I've heard yeah. Democrats talk about it. Unfortunately, other issues tend to get in the way, sure. you know, that, that aren't even related. But I think yeah. when it comes to that issue, that's true. I, for either either one of you want to answer this, when it comes to the drug industry, do you work with them or do you feel you're on the other side? Or are there situations where you're one or the other? I mean, just, just kind of describe that relationship between your organization and the industry. Sure, that's, that's a really good question. I, I think we would be um, – uh, not negotiating in good faith if we did not have um, 
uh, conversations with our friends in the in the drug drug company business, um, and we're in Indian Indiana in the Indianapolis Fishers Metro area. So Eli Lilly is here, um, and so we are always open to those conversations. And I believe that um, you know our hope is that we'll bring them to the table and have an own honest and open conversation about what to do next. Um, we we have not had any sort of concrete conversations, but I think both sides are open to sort of figuring this out. And I think Eli Lilly has been a community partner. And so we it would be um, unfair or silly of us to not have conversations with drug companies. Now, I will say those decisions happen at pay grades higher than <laughs> myself. Mine and too. So, I, <laughs> so I, I'm not aware of any sort of future conversations, okay. but I think everybody's willing to be at the table and we, we understand that this is a, is a crisis that, that's plaguing, um, you know, older adults, obviously, because of just the nature of how, mu- how, many, how many medications they have to take. But you think of folks who, have, who are on insulin, uh, folks who have cancer medication, all of those things, those, those, those cut across um, age, racial, social, economic status, all of those pieces. And so we all have to be at, a t- at the table and come, with, come together with common sense solutions about how we solve it. Yeah, I've uh, been retired for nine years now, and I look at my medicine Congratulations. cabinet. <laughs> That's why I can do these podcasts yeah. and do all these things that I'm doing. That's sort of my retirement, my volunteer work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Tish, as I want to go back to you because Fishers was the first community in the state to join the AARP network in the what's called the age-friendly community mm-hmm. concept. Uh, I've been, you know, I go to a lot of meetings. I talk to a lot of officials in my work here in, in Fishers. And what I am beginning to see is that the demographics of this area, the city particularly, are projected to trend somewhat older in the coming years. We have been very young, family-oriented. Mm-hmm. We haven't lost that. That's still there. But in general, there's going to be a bit of graying going on uh, in Fishers. So explain how Fishers became a part of, of this program and how Fishers has a has, uh, stake in this game. Well, uh, it was foresight on the part of the uh, government elected officials here to look and see that there was this program that uh, is a partnership between the World Health Organization and AARP. And so Uh, They applied to AARP to get the status as an age-friendly community. And it isn't one of those things like you get the tree city nomenclature. Uh, With that nomenclature or designation comes an obligation to put together a five-year plan. So uh, uh, Fishers is currently in the... um, process of developing that five-year plan. And one of the unique things about Fishers is that Fishers has developed a a citywide master plan, if you call it that. It's called the 2040 plan. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what we needed to do as a committee was to look at that and also look at where are there holes within that plan uh, in the eight domains that are covered under this age-friendly plan. So this is a, a commitment by the city to work on, on these areas over time. And the WHO, is it not a U.N. agency? So it's a worldwide organization, yes. right? 
Uh, I want to ask uh, Mandela, now you're sure. the staff contact on this age-friendly initiative. Talk about what this means to fishers. Sure. Yeah, so I, I think it, it's a great opportunity. Obviously, they, they will forever be the first in Indiana, so they can they can, they can can carry that around as well and, and show off to their friends. But I think, like we've talked about, it's important uh, that, that, that fishers has made this declaration or commitment to ensuring that their residents and future residents are able to age in place. And so um, from our perspective, um, Fishers is a great community partner um, and then a city partner as well um, in terms of um, being able to uh, not only sort of show folks in this part of the central Indiana sort of how they have laid the foundation for their for their age-friendly work, uh, but also sort of innovate and, and, and show um, kind of how they have uh, taken some of the concepts, especially around housing. Uh, I think the ADU, the accessory dwelling units, is a piece that came out of um, conversations that they were having within the community. And so um, I think that's work that we can elevate not only for central Indiana, but for nationally as well. Um, so for us as a staff, we're really proud of the work that Tish has done um, with that team. Um, and then uh, more importantly, what this means for the future of, of Fishers. One thing that's happened in Fishers since I moved, I moved to 1991. It was a very different place then. <laughs> we had less than 10,000 people in the yeah. town of Fishers then. Now we're well over 90,000 people. We'll know when the census comes out next year for sure. But I, I make that as a prelude to, to this question. I think housing becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. And the way a lot of uh, communities try to measure housing issues is if you can know, if you if the uh, teacher who teaches in your community, police officer, firefighter, other public servants, are no longer able to afford to live in your city, that's a problem. Yeah. But I think that your end of this also because there are many people who want to stay close to their family. We have a lot of young families. Mm -hmm. The school system is still the fourth largest in the state that Mm -hmm. we have centered here in Fishers. It's a little bit more than Fishers, but it's large. So my question, that sets up the following question for whoever wants to answer this. Uh, The solutions, you kind of alluded to that, Mandela. There's been some talks in the planning and zoning department in Fishers about adding on you know, something to your existing home, which might have been more difficult to do. Yeah. There's been look, uh, looking at apartments, other kinds of assisted living. Is it a combination of these answers, or are there other things that maybe the city needs to look at doing to look at this housing issue when you look at it from AARP's point of view? Um, I'll be happy to take that one. Um, in, in the top ten priorities that we uh, have determined already, and how we did that was we went out to the community, We've had uh, public listening sessions. We've gone to the farmers and market and gathered data from people there and at some of our senior communities. Um, but we've been in the process of gathering data. And so far, the top 10 priorities, the number one priority so far for most of people that are going want to age here is accessibility to, con- uh, to convenient public transportation. That's number one. But number two is the affordable housing um, that is suitable for a single or a couple to live in. Um, They don't want the big, big house. But if they have that big house, they'd like to maybe stay on the property and maybe gift the house to their 
children and their grandchildren to live in and still be part of that family unit by maybe living above the garage in an apartment or in a uh, an accessory dwelling unit that is in the back. And so the city is taking a serious look at how do we accommodate our existing population that is here and also those that are coming from other places like we did to be with our children and grandchildren. And we don't need as big a place as we did at one time. You can talk about the big place. I, I do know that a, a lot of people want to be close to their children and their grandchildren, but not that close. Yes. <laughs> you know, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, if you look at it sort of um, holistically, right, just not just for fishers, but communities across central Indiana and Indiana in general need to look at their housing stock and see will it work for the aging the aging of its community and so like you mentioned earlier you said you know communities are rapidly aging um we know that um there will be a certain point in time where we'll have more older adults than we do folks under 18 so cities and towns and and communities need to sort of try to figure out how are they accommodating those folks we're living longer we're a lot healthier than than sort of our, our parents and our grandparents right uh, and so it's going to be important for us to be in a position to um, offer a variety of housing options. I may want to start out in my 2,200-square-foot home and then maybe move into sort of a townhome setting and then maybe a, an accessory dwelling unit or an apartment, a condo, whatever that, that, that looks like. Uh, and so cities like Fishers need to sort of take a serious look at, you know, the zoning piece is, ex- is an extremely easy lift, Right, you just do a scan of your zoning and say, does my does our zoning code allow for uh, accessory unit accessory dwelling units, granny flats, or whatever <laughs> the term is that you want to use? I for think those. that was the star head. Now, I think, yeah, I think so too. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we 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 are trying to sort of champion some of this work, not only just here in Fishers, but in Indianapolis as well, and in in communities like Evansville and Fort Wayne, um, just because we understand that it's important. Um, and so the hope is that, you know, for folks like Tish, that they can be a sounding board of what that looks like from a policy perspective in terms of from a zoning and ordinance perspective, what should ARP be championing? And then also just from a work. So what does this actually look like when you try to, like, map it out and plan it out? And so that's my hope for the work that Tish is doing in Fishers, that that's, that's what comes out of that for for us anyway. Well, one of the interesting things that we found when we did this listening session, um, at least it was interesting to me, and and I can see the logic behind it, was one of the top 10 priorities that we uh, heard from the residents was they wanted to know who the reliable and trustworthy home contractors were Uh within the area. Because as we are starting to age, um, I've already taken the ladder away from my husband and said, no, no, no more gutters and downspouts for you. But I will need to find somebody that's reliable and trustworthy to be able to do that. And seniors can be vulnerable in that area. And so if the city can take a part in uh, some way uh, vetting those people so that seniors know that this is a, a trustworthy person, that's something that was in the top 10 priorities for the city. That's amazing. And, yeah, my wife is almost makes that a project of hers. I mean, she's got all these different lists and, and uh, message boards. But I think that, you know, the, the more 
chances you have to, to do that vetting, the better. I do want to ask about one thing, and I want to ask each of you to comment on this, because I think it was Mandela that mentioned the, uh, and you mentioned public transportation, both of you at, locally and here in Fishers. Mm-hmm. And if you talk to Mayor Fadness, yeah, you, you uh, mentioned this, uh, Mandela, that he looks at it as, as this autonomous vehicle. You know, we have a lot of high-tech companies that are beginning to come to Fishers and are already here. And I think he talks to those people who run those businesses. And I think, you know, he listens. And they, they're looking at a future where you will no longer own a car. Sure. You pull your phone out. The autonomous vehicle comes up, takes you to wherever you want to go, home, the grocery, back. You're, you never have to own a car. Sure. However, you know, I look at this. And from a business point of view, we don't have an, uh, 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 we don't even have a ride-sharing company that makes a profit yet. <laughs> you know, Uber and Lyft are not profitable companies. I mean, they're making a lot of noise. So I guess the question I would ask you first, and Tish, you're welcome to chime in as well. Just uh, explain to me how you think this whole autonomous vehicle um, technology is going to impact the way we get around. Sure. Um, so I, I, it's a difficult question to, to answer, right, because – we are we have a level of autonomy now right so if you have cruise control on your car if you drive um you know a tesla if you're fortunate to drive one of those vehicles you know we have a level of autonomy right so we could we 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 have that 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 technology is in play now and you know to some degree when you do call an uber or or a lyft you're autonomizing your trip right you you're not necessarily uh, driving the vehicle yourself and so i think the vision is some cross between that right to where the driver may not be operating the vehicle per se but you have a driver in the vehicle and so you can get people to ride share right so uh, the three of us could get together pool our resources together and purchase a autonomous vehicle and we could use that that vehicle between the three of us. Um, you know, the other option is we've seen this in freight, right? They're starting to talk about driverless freight, um, and I think Indot is taking steps to build their um, interstates to some degree to accommodate some of that. Uh, I think what we as advocates need to do um, in terms of when we are having conversations with 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 Mayor Fadness and, and other elected officials is that. Uh, we understand that 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 is the future. And I think if we build our systems to accommodate that future, then we can get there, right? So my my pitch to a mayor fadness would be if we are going to build some sort of autonomous mass transit or some autonomy vehicle ride-sharing piece, whatever that looks like, um, then we should be putting that infrastructure in place. It may be what Indigo has right now, right, in the form of the BRT line, um, whatever the case may be, but then we could we could essentially, when that future, when that technology is available, is just simply plug that into what we already have. And I think that's our cry: is that hey, we we may not have that now, but we can put the infrastructure in place to make sure that that happens. Now, now Tish, these people who are responding to your survey saying that they need transportation, do you think they have autonomous vehicles on their money? I, I'm guessing not. But tell um, me. I wouldn't say that most of them are early adopters. <laughs> I, I would say that uh, this demographic, and I'm included in that, are probably mid to later adopters. And certainly for some um, 
some members of this group, of this demographic. Uh, specifically, I'm thinking about on my cul-de-sac, I have four widows that live on my cul-de-sac. I told my husband, he's going to be well fixed with casseroles if anything <laughs> happens to me. <laughs> but uh, I, I think of their needs and their, uh, their worries about safety. And traveling uh, with an Uber or a Lyft with a driver that is unknown to them, that, that crosses a line for some people. So I think we're, it's not going to be one solution for all. It's going to be a variety of solutions that we adopt. We can't just put all of our eggs, so to speak, in one basket and hope that that's going to be sufficient for everybody because I don't think it will be. Well, 30 minutes goes pretty quickly, and we're about done here, but uh, so I'm going to give each of you a chance to add anything I didn't think to ask about. So, Mandela, I'll I'll let you start. Sure. Um, So I I think we we are fortunate in the fact that we have Tish um, on our our side and working for us uh, and and, and really working alongside the city uh, representing AARP. Uh, and so my hope is that you know folks can you know jump into the process. Um, I think they they have open workshop and work 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 group meetings, um, and um, you can visit the H Friendly Fishers website to get more information. Uh, but then I also want to you know make sure I give a, a shout out where where it's, you know shout outs are due. Uh, Dan Domsick, we we talked a little bit about him. Uh, he and and John, a, a volunteer of his, were sort of at the foundation of all of this work. Uh, and so I, I don't think fishes would be at the point that it's in without them. Um, I'm just the guy that <laughs> that answered his email. And and then I think I've just passed all the work on the dish. So <laughs> I don't really get to do anything. So I'm, 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 I, I really enjoy um, working with the team that we have. And, and hopefully, you know, we, we, we look forward to, to an age-friendly fishers. I think that uh, it's been my privilege to serve on the AARP AARP, uh, volunteer team, and I wish that we had a few more residents from Fishers that would come forward and volunteer for this. It's very rewarding work. I think that there are places for a lot of people that want to do different things. Uh, We work with Gleaners Food Bank downtown and a variety of different ways that we help in the city. So I I, I would like to see more Fishers people volunteer with AARP to get uh, more people on our legislative team, our unicorn team, (laughs) and uh, to uh, uh, allow more participation. And what's the minimum age to be a member of AARP? 50. So, so that's a pretty 50, low state. Pretty, pretty low bar. Low. Yeah. A lot of people are a long time yeah. from retirement yeah. there, but you you can be a man. If you want to be a member of AARP, how do you do that? Sure, you can um, obviously visit us at www.aarp.org/in. Um, you can get more information there um, about what's happening and, and membership and, and all of that good stuff as so well. So when you, when you become a national member, you become a state member automatically? Is that the way it works? So, yeah, it's everybody's part of the national team, and then you are sort of um, – you know, because you live here in Indiana, you have a couple of cool people like Tish and myself working <laughs> on your behalf. Um, and then, yeah, like Tish mentioned, you know, that same ARP.org slash IN to learn more about how you can, you know, can be on this on this side of the work as well. Because we need more. We need more f- unicorns, as Tish mentioned. <laughs> well, thanks to uh, Jason Tomsey and Dan Domsick for helping yep. to uh, put this together. And uh Tish Biggs and Mandla Moyo, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you for having us. Thanks for having us.
This podcast is brought to you by LarryInFishers.com. An election campaign is underway for seats on the Fishers City Council. To keep track of what's happening in the campaigns, visit my local news website regularly, www.LarryInFishers.com. Also, follow my Twitter account, at LarryInFishers. My name is Larry Lannon. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.